I was reading recently in a copy of the Reader's Digest about a man named Derek Gotchi. And he was outside of his friend's home packing up his GMC Yukon and in the trunk he was placing things in there. And as he was doing this, a man drove by and stopped in an old uh, beat-up minivan, jumped out of his car, got into this man's Yukon, which was still running, and took off. And uh, as Derek Gotchi stood there in unbelief, uh, he didn't know exactly how to respond, but adrenaline just kicked in because his four children were in the back of that vehicle as this vehicle took off into the Minneapolis night. All of those children were under five years of age. This happened recently. So he didn't even really think. He just jumped into this man's car that he had abandoned and took off and chased down this vehicle. And he hit the back of his Yukon and and, uh, pinned that vehicle sideways in an alley against a fence, and then got out of the vehicle to do whatever he had to do to rescue his children. But thankfully, the uh, perpetrator just opened the door and fled the vehicle, and the kids were unharmed. But this is the day that we live in. This is just one of thousands of examples that we live in a world gone wrong. When we look at the world all around us, we're exposed to so much news and so much information, we can't possibly process just the flood of data that's coming our way, Uh, much less think about it scripturally. And uh, it can be overwhelming at times, can it? I mean, if you spend too much time doing this, watching the nightly news, and if you spend too much time, you know, doing this and reading emails from different news outlets talking about how, how terrible the world is and, and how uh, they're moving more liberal and more left and, and, and just how, you know, things are in our country are, are moving in a way that's dangerous for children, you know, and we read about all these different things. You know, I could, I could list them, but there's really no need. You know what I'm talking about. We read about the depravity of man, and it's overwhelming. So much so that if you follow that too much, you end up with panic attacks. You end up visiting your doctor, telling them that I'm just stressed, I think I'm having a heart attack. And they take a look at you, and they give you different tests and things like that, and they say, no, it's not a heart attack, you're, you're having an anxiety Attack And that pain that you feel is because of anxiety. And so many people these days are on subscriptions to reduce their stress because it's overwhelming, everything that's happening. Sometimes ignorance is bliss, but we can't afford to be ignorant in these days. What we need is we need to have peace of mind in the midst of all of this that we see that's happening around us. Listen, evildoers seem to prosper. That's what David said. David said, as I look around and I see evildoers, I I see people like, he's talking about these armies that he fought against on a yearly basis, protecting his kingdom. And these people that would want to come in and to attack villages and attack towns and and, uh, break down the walls and and carry away women and children captive and so on. He, He had enemies that were militant Enemies, he had enemies in his own court that were always trying to you know, come in and manipulate and, and connive and scheme and try to get something done in the, in the court of David. He had enemies and he said, but it seems like 
that evildoers prosper. They seem to do well. You know? And David, in his, in his thinking, Old Testament thinking, he, he knows the, the covenants and, and he knows that if you keep the law of God, then you'll, you'll prosper and you'll be blessed. You'll be protected from your enemies. And David thought that his kingdom was trying to do that. And, and uh, so that therefore they ought to remain in the land. They ought to have material and, and uh, wealth and have all kinds of different forms of prosperity. They, their crops ought to do well. They ought to have, uh, be blessed with lots of children and all of these things. And have peace and protection from their enemies. But he said right now it looks like the, the people who are doing evil are prospering. They're getting away with it. You ever thought about that? You ever look around and it just seems like people are getting away with these evil acts that they're, that they're uh, scheming and plotting. And, and it seems like sometimes the people who are living in sin are having more fun. While those who are godly seem to be on the bottom and seem to be persecuted. But we must remember this. Remember the end of the wicked. Okay? The end of the wicked, they shall soon be cut off. So, to have peace of mind in a world gone wrong, the Lord gives us a list of instructions. First of all, we have to have the right perspective in a world gone wrong. Look at verse 1. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. We have a temptation to either fret or to envy when we see what wicked people are up to in this world. What does it mean to fret? Now, the first thing that you think of is you say it means to worry. Put a big circle around that and cross that out. That is not correct. That's the current usage of the word fret. The English language has been watered down. So we're not talking about don't be worried. Some translations of the Bible there say do not worry because of evildoers, and that is not accurate. That falls short of the, of the full meaning of the Hebrew word there. The Hebrew word carries with it the idea, literally, of being hot. What it's talking about is it's talking about two things coming together and, and rubbing and irritating and aggravating each other and becoming hot with friction. So to fret is to fume, is to be troubled it's to be angry and resentful. Do you ever find yourself being angry and resentful of the liberal left? Listen, don't turn me off. Do you ever find yourself being angry and resentful of the compromising, money-mongering right? That's your right. Of corrupt politicians. And corrupt leadership. You ever find yourself being angry? Fuming mad? Stomping around? Almost steam coming out of your ears? That's fretting. That's fretting. Fretting has to do with anger. And, and this is the problem. That it, it makes us so frustrated to the point, if we dwell on what the wicked are doing in this world, we lose our peace. Matthew Henry said that this is a sin that carries with it its own consequence. It's a sin to fret. Because it carries with it the consequence that you have a loss 
of peace. And it, and it takes away your joy as a Christian. Don't fret when you look at evildoers. We have to keep the right perspective on what we're looking at when we look at the world around us. We can also be tempted to envy. You notice he says, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. This temptation causes us to look at them and say they seem like they're prospering, they seem like they're having all the fun, and we seem like we're behind and we are uh, sort of the outcasts and those who stand for righteousness these days. I mean, uh, you can't hardly say anything without offending someone in this world. And so it seems like they're getting by, especially young people look at this. And so we're tempted to envy. And you know, it happens. There are those who used to sit among us and used to have fellowship in this church. And they're not with us this morning. And they're not in any church. Because they looked out at the world around them and they saw what the people in the world were doing. And they said, it looks like they're doing just fine. They're prospering. They're having children. They have nice jobs, nice homes, nice things. And they're having all the fun. And there are some people who have left us and decided to go that way. They might have said, they uh, are accepting people who have tried to change their gender. And, and they, they're accepting children and grandchildren who have uh, come out and, and identified as a different gender. Uh, and, and everyone seems to be loving and happy and there seems to be peace there. But all they see is the beginning of it. But it's enough just to look. And once a person looks, this envy causes them to lust. And if you look long enough and you start to lust in your heart after these things that the people in the world have, then you start to long for it. And then it's not long before that longing heart causes you just to go ahead and leap. And leap right into it. And you don't know this about those people. People who change their genders, those people who practice uh, promiscuous sex before marriage, those people who are just involved in all of these romantic relationships and all of these parties and so on and so forth, you don't see the end of that thing. You don't see the, the real data on that, that a lot of those people have mental problems. A lot of those people are seeing doctors to try to change, reverse the effects of their surgeries. It ruins lives. Of course it does. Of course it does. That shouldn't be a surprise to us. But the whole gender change, ruins lives, transgenderism, all of that. The, the multiple uh, illicit relationships before marriage ruins lives. You see uh, a man who, he dropped his wife and he married another woman. And he seems to be doing fine. Why can't I do that? You don't see the heartbreak, how it ruins the children. You don't see that. We look at Hollywood and we look at everything that they're doing and we look at their, their wealth and their popularity and you know you get two Hollywood actors together. I'm thinking of one in particular and I just won't say any names. He is popular for playing a pirate. But anyways, you know, you see him and he's famous and he's wealthy and, and uh, successful and he gets married to this woman over here who's also famous and wealthy and successful and you think, they've got it all. I mean, what could go wrong, right? But those people go through multiple divorces, marriages and divorces and breakups and drug addictions in and out of rehab. You don't see that part. 
Because that's not the part that's presented to you. You don't see the end. Don't be envious of the wicked. Listen, God's way is the best way. God's way is to gather with His people. If you're saved, gather with His people on a regular basis and to be fed from the Word of God and to be reminded of the end. These people who have the wrong perspective are tempted to fret. You say, what's the problem with fretting? Because it causes you to lose your peace and your joy and your focus on the Lord. And when you're in that sort of a case, listen, that's a spiritual case. I can diagnose diagnose you that that will cause misery and will ruin your testimony. And you'll be ineffective for the Lord as as a wife, as a mother, as a... As a witness, same thing with the men. It will ruin your witness and your testimony. And if you envy, you might just look ahead and and leap. But listen, you've got to look ahead and see the end of the wicked. Notice verse 2. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass. Now there's something that we can all understand. When I got back from vacation, it was like a forest out there in my yard. And I went out there with my zero-turn mower, and I mowed over that thing twice. <laughs> One time, you know, I set the, the deck up, and then the next time I set it down a little bit lower, and I mowed over that thing real good. And then I got out there with my push mower, and I was pushing with my push mower, and then I ran over a nest of, of uh, yellow jackets. It's been a while since I tangled with those things. One of them came up here and got me right here. My hand's been swollen up about two times the size for a couple days now. And Jace was standing out there and said, Jace, you need to get in the house now. And he's looking at me like, what? And I'm like, I'm telling you, if you've never listened to me before, you need to listen to me now. Get in the house. And oh, I'm okay. I'm all right. Get in the house. So I got him in the house before he got stung. I got a whole funny story about that. I think I'm going to preach a sermon on it. Uh, but I used it in our, our devotions that night with the kids. Uh, but it has to do with a, a greyhound she- or a, a, a the neighbor's dog, which is a German shepherd, and our cats in those yellow jackets. Probably coming next Sunday. But anyways, they're going to be cut down. You say, what's that mean? It's a sudden thing. When I come across that yard with my lawnmower, it's sudden that that grass is just chopped off at the height that I've determined. That's what's going to happen to these wicked people. There's coming a sudden end a judgment their lives will be cut short but you see we look at them we say but these people that are just doing these things and smoking and drugs and and drinking and all this stuff they seem to live long lives they're not cut down short listen that's the mercy of god do you understand that your lost neighbor your lost relative your lost friend co-worker this is the closest to heaven that they'll ever be And I think God gives people a long life these days. Lost people a long life and might even... I mean, He allows them to enjoy all the blessings that we do, right? Sunshine and rain and harvest and all of those things. But I think the Lord lets them go on like that. Giving them opportunity after opportunity to be saved. Because this is the closest they'll get to heaven. When they die, they'll be further from heaven. When, when souls die in their sins, they go immediately to hell. They do not sleep in the grave. 
And uh, so God is merciful in that way. But when death comes, it comes suddenly. And then they wither as the green herb. Have you seen the trees along the road here? The, cons- the, the crews went through here and, and, and cut back the tree line. And you see the, the green uh, dead uh, fallen branches and leaves and things like that along there. That's a withering, shriveling picture of death. They're going to be judged. That's the end of the wicked. When we look forward, says Matthew Henry, a Bible commentator, when we look forward with an eye of faith, we shall see no reason to envy the wicked. You say, why? Because if you're saved, you're not like the green grass in the Bible. You're like a tree. Would you look at it in Psalm 1? We're pictured as something different. Grass is short-lived. It's cut down. You're going to be like a tree. We have eternal hope. The wicked have a temporary life of enjoyment. Sure. Sure, it's enjoying sometimes the pleasures of sin. But only for a season. And then you have to pay for it. But uh, their lives short-lived like the grass. You're like a tree. If you're saved, you have eternal life. Look at Psalm 1, and let's just read down from verse 1 to 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Is that you today? I know one thing. If you're saved, you love the Word of God. There will be a hunger for that Word. There's no hunger for the Word of God. You might want to check your salvation. And in His law doth He meditate day and night. And He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Satisfied, man. Growing strong. Lord, giving you everything that you need to exist and to flourish. The bringing forth His fruit in His season. His leaf also shall not wither. Do you see it? And whatsoever He doeth shall prosper. We won't be like that withering herb. Like the, the clippings of the grass that are left over that brown and wither and decay. No, we won't wither. What we do has eternal consequence and significance. What we do lasts forever. So back at Psalm 37, we have an eternal hope. You say, well, how do I get that eternal hope? I'm just going to quote these for you, all right? It's not because we're better than the wicked, right? I mean, yes, there's a difference between a man who's just a regular run-of-the-mill sinner and then somebody who's wicked. There's a difference, okay? You might be a sinner, but you don't have to be as bad as what you could be, all right? There's a difference. Those who just leap headfirst into the deep end of the pool of the cesspool of filth and wickedness, they're considered to be wicked. But how do we as sinners, you know, become like the tree, that, that has fruit that endures forever. Well, Romans 4 verse 5 says this, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. That's how I got in. I said, Lord, I'm ungodly. I know it. I know I'm a sinner. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I want to be saved. You say, saved from what? Saved from paying the penalty for my sin in hell. I knew that's where I was headed. So I I got down on my brother's couch and I said, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm on my way to hell. And I did not try to work my way into heaven. I knew better than that. I knew I'd already done enough damage and done enough wrong. I was hell deserving. 
And so, so were you when you got saved. And I said, Lord, I, I just believe. I believe on Jesus Christ. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. So I'm trusting Him to pay that penalty. And the Bible says that I was justified. He justified the ungodly. Say, what's that? It's just as if I'd never sinned. My sins were washed away by the blood of Christ and the righteousness that comes by faith, the Bible says. The righteousness that makes me right so that I can go to heaven comes by faith and that was put on my account the moment that I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ because I was ungodly. You say, what's the ungodly? Well, the ungodly, to be ungodly simply means this. It means that you, you don't reverence God. You don't fear God. He's not in your thoughts. He's not in your ways. You don't even consider His Word. You just do your own thing. That's what I was. I was ungodly. Doesn't mean I was as bad as I possibly could have been. I didn't have the opportunity to do a lot of things that some men can do. But it meant that I was a sinner, I was ungodly, and that God said, I'll take you just as you are. Amen? That's, that's, that's our eternal hope. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, not works, faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Alright? Now that peace, that's what we have between us and God. He's no longer going to judge our sins. We get to go to heaven when we die. We're made right with Him because of the shed blood of Christ. But listen, there is a peace of mind that believers can have. Not just peace between us and God, but peace of mind in a world gone wrong.